You're listening to DraftKings Network. Lots of things are better together. Playoff football, food, and trash talk. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Coming up on today's show. Joe is back from Spanish hunting. We talk conference championship week and the best remaining stories in the NFL. Yeah, we're also going to talk some RG3 and Jay Gruden beef. Hawk and I are going to play Toledo into the national championship game and get pointers from our QB guru, Bruce Gradkowski, on how to land an NFL coaching gig. All this and much, much more on this Fat Natless International Baccalaureate beef-friendly episode of the Tomahawk Show. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Me play football? Now, most of you have been playing this game for 10 years. You got two more quarters, and after that, most of you will never play this game again. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. You sure? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the world-famous Tomahawk. As always, I am your humblest of all co-hosts, Andrew Hawkins, seven-year NFL veteran, two-year CFL veteran. I never shout them out, but I did win two championships north of the border, which is significant now on this show because we have become the official podcast of international football because Joe Thomas is a, a, a coach for the Munich Ravens, not to be confused with the Baltimore Ravens. They would never hire him. But Joe Thomas, beyond being a pro football Hall of Famer, 10-time pro bowler, all pro college football Hall of Fame, he is now over in Europe teaching the uh, skill of offensive line to the only people who care, and that is the Germans. He is back. He was gone last week. Uh, Joe. How was your last week? Why did you miss? And what is the update with the Munich Ravens? How, how are we shaping up as a ball club? Well, we're shaping up really well. It's going to be championship or bust, I think, this season. We're basically mm. the Patriots of, you know, mid-2010s-ish. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and to answer your other question, I was in Spain. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. I highly recommend hunting Ibex in the mountains of Spain with some dudes that know how to eat and uh, they know how to mm. hunt. I've been to Spain. I went to Spain oh. this summer. I went to Ibiza, which is not no, when we go to Spain. Spain. It's, it's, it's Ibiza. It's, it's <laughs> Ibiza. Ibiza? All right, right. Yeah. my bad. And if you if you don't know that voice, it is <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Wade Cross's favorite son, Mister Juju Gotti, in the building with the New Jersey. He is a Bills fan, but you see that he has a different jersey, which we will get into uh, a little later in the show. But the, the, your Spain trip and my Spain trips, Joe, are the perfect representations of a our friendship and our personalities <laughs> you go to spain to hunt where were you hunting orcas hunting or something the the gredos ibex and the bethetti ibex in two different okay. mountain ranges one by madrid one by bethetti uh which is near barcelona and i'm sure you were doing the same thing yeah what what animal is that it's what Bar animal is that Barcelona. Bartha? Barcelona. Barcelona. It, it's Barcelona. A, it's a, <laughs> not a <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it sounds like Juju spent a lot of time in Spain because he knows everything <laughs> culturally that there is to know about the Spanish. Uh, however, yes, it was amazing. An ibex is a giant species of goat that have these enormous goat. horns that kind of go back different directions. Europe, Asia, that's where you can find them for your next hunting trip there. Juju mm. and Hawk. Nice. I like that. A raven hunting a goat that has context for this episode, which we'll get into that AFC matchup a little later. You see what I did there? I'm new. new I'm true to this, not new to this, Juju. All right, so you were hunting goats. I was in Ibiza kicking it. And when I say kicking it, I mean kicking it hard like I was 19 years old on spring break. But that, again, anytime, Joe, me and you ever go anywhere, that is how we're going to split up as family, as people. I'm going to party. And you're going to the woods, which I would never go to. So I don't care what country we're in. That 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 reigns true in every state, city, country, continent, planet. 
you name it. We go to Venus, I'm fine. I'm fine in a party, brother. All right. I like that. But when we do get together and party, it becomes very epic. And we have some amazing agree. stories. And that's exactly. why we're such great friends. Exactly. And that's why I'm sure you sound like you're straight out of Ibiza right now, because it's like <laughs> two in the afternoon where I am. And it's yeah, like no, three it's, in the morning where you guys are. It's it, it's a mo early morning episode uh, because, we, you know, we're, we're across borders now. So we're trying to accommodate the times. So my voice turns into a little Barry White. You catch me anytime before 10 a.m., baby, and, you know, you're getting you're getting a whole different style of hawk. All right, now. All right, so that's what my voice sounds like. Well, Joe, you missed a lot last week. Uh, it was a great episode. If you haven't listened, go check it out. And anybody listening, make sure you check out last week's episode on Levitard Show YouTube. We also are live every week. Well, not live. Well, we on the DraftKings Network every week, Wednesday at 4 p.m., and you can catch the Tomahawk Show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Like and subscribe. So that you don't miss an episode. Joe, the Browns lost. We talked about it last week. We we went through our morning and me and half and that because she's still very excited about Bang Bang Niner Gang. Um, but you weren't here. So now that you are here, I'm sure the fans want to know, how did you feel about the Browns lost? Did you watch that game? And what were your big takeaways? So I know that a very important member of your family recently died and you just got over it. But how do you feel about it right now? Yeah, thanks a lot for bringing that up. That <laughs> yeah. was really kind of you, Hawks. I, um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know where that was going either, Juju. But, I was like, you know, what? I, I thought he was like, breaking news to me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I feel like, you know, I, I deserved that a little bit because I did miss that show being in Spain in the mountains. You did. I was hoping that I'd have a little bit of reception, but thankfully I had none. So I didn't have nope. to hear you <laughs> telling me about how the Browns stink. Uh, however, it was a lot of sadness. We were out here in Munich. The game happened in the middle of the night. So I got a buddy, our buddy, Paul Brown, friend of the show. Mm -hmm. He sent me his login information for one of his, you know, ways that he watches the game over here in Europe nice. and got the family together. We ate a nice little breakfast at like 6am because everybody got up early. We were excited. We mm -hmm. watched the replay the first half. There was pure joy in the house. Second <laughs> half was a little bit less. Uh, we all <laughs> cried when the game was over because we believed it was the team of destiny. Turns out we were wrong. Uh, mm. Should not have believed our emotions like so many times before with our brownies, but yep. we're finally over it now. And I think we can enjoy a tremendous final four in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, we, we will enjoy it. And we went through all the emotions last week. I, I let everyone know I was at a Browns backwards bar watching the game, um, which was dope, man. I mean, I'm not kidding. Obviously, I played for what? Really two NFL teams. So that's what I have to compare it to. But the Browns, how they keep their players like involved, it almost feels like college. Like they are very uh, hands on about their alumni, you know what I mean? And it's not like typically you'll have teams and, and you need to be Joe Thomas level to really stay involved in the games and the organization. And the Haslam family, that, that, that's one thing they came in. I, they think was like one of their focuses was like, hey, we want to build a culture that people want to be a part of this. And ever since I retired, I can't even tell you like the support that I've gotten from the Browns organization, from the owners. And it's not just me because I do TV. It's like literally everyone. We go back to games. We hang out with old teammates. Those teams weren't even good. And we come there. They treat us like royalty. One in 15 teams. We come in and they're like, it's like high school. They're so happy to see us. So I got to shout out the Browns uh, because they really do do it like a first class organization. So that's really cool. Um, that's the least they could do. <laughs> They paid us too, Juju. I don't know if you know that, but we did get paid. Okay. Like they paid us a lot of money. Um, and that was more than enough for me as well. All right. Speaking of morning, this is now I'm going to feel really good about bringing this up. The Buffalo Bills are sitting their ass in Cancun. They can go hunt in Spain if they want to um, because they no longer have an NFL playoff to worry about, Juju. Juju, your Bills fit the bed. And I think it's your fault too, because when last week you said you only had 3% confidence in them. And they could have used any portion of that 97% that you gave to the Chiefs. But did you see and they that fake came punt? Did you, did you see that fake punt? Yes or no? Yeah, I did. You got the Hamlin jersey <laughs> in the background. You, I present to you my confidence. In oh, the my God. If, I mean, they were lucky to be in the game. Like, Travis, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had a fantastic game. Him and T. Kelsey, like, uh, uh, bravo, guys. Way, way to bring it in the playoffs. Absolutely. But the Buffalo Bills, they were – they were granted a couple golden tickets, and that's how I knew something's gonna happen. After that fake punt, they uh came down, and Kansas City was supposed to take it. They were supposed to ice the game almost right there, but right. then uh Butterfingers Hartman 
fumbled the ball through the back of the end zone, gave him another golden ticket, gave him another blessing. Like that was a big blessing. That was. And then Josh came out, fumbled the ball. That was wild. And they, and they tried to scoop and score instead of dive on it. Another blessing. So uh -huh. it's like, brother, they, they talking about the field goal, and, and which was definitely unfortunate. And get well soon, Bass. Like, brother, if you best friend out there, man, call my boy, man. He done deleted the social media. You uh -huh. can't, I can't imagine what that feels like going through because everybody's feeling that way towards you. So prayers to my brother Bass. But yeah, man, I think it was bigger than that field goal, brother. The whole game was, it was, they, they looked unstoppable. Right. Joe, what do you think, man? Where are you at with Josh Allen? There's a lot of conversation around Josh Allen. Do we put him too high on a pedestal? Should he really be in the class of elite quarterbacks as we talk about him in the NFL? No, he definitely deserves to be in that class. I think the problem is, though, the expectations are that he's going to go and be Tom Brady every single game because that's what this team needs for success because the guys around him aren't picking themselves up and playing to the championship caliber that you need if you want to win a game. But mm -hmm. I'll pivot your question to Patrick Mahomes because – I think what he's been able to do thus far in the playoffs cements his status as one of the all-time greats. And now I know he'd already been putting himself on that trajectory, but now he's doing it with fewer casts of characters around him that are helping him. And he's mm -hmm. elevating those guys around him. And so I think that's really the only step that now Josh Allen needs to take because he's putting that team on his back every single week and putting every game into his hands. And now it's his ability as a leader to get the most out of those guys around him. And I don't, it's not always the same way to be able to do that. And it's not always a concrete thing, but it was the things that Patrick Mahomes has been able to do in this playoffs yeah. and this season. And it's what Tom Brady became famous for. And so if Josh Allen wants to be in that class right now with Patrick Mahomes and put himself not just in the top five or 10 of these quarterbacks in the NFL right now, but yeah. in the status of, Hey, this is the potential. This is what we see from you on a lot of, in a lot of games. Like, you can be this guy all the time and you can be one of the great legends of all time. It's finding little ways, however that is and whatever that Man. looks like, to get those guys around him to play at their best when their best is needed. And him being able to fill in the gap. Wow. Him and, Stephon like, Diggs, wow. That's all I'm Yeah, saying. that was a bad one, man. Stephon had a big drop with, yeah. I said this on social media, that might have been the best throw I've ever seen. Right. I mean, Josh Allen flipped his wrist and that ball went 60 yards on a rope on a dime. I think it shocked even Stefan Diggs of how good the ball was. And that's why he he didn't come away with it. But that was one of the plays down the stretch that they needed in order to win it. And Josh Allen, he did he he also, you know, had to get out of jail free car with the fumble. Because this whole thing is turnovers. So you turn it over in the most crucial portion of the game. If the Bills don't get that, that is the entire conversation we're still having today. Right. You know, and then, you know, he made a couple of throws and decisions. Um that you could probably question some of his game management in the last drive because he had first down throws in front of him, but he was going for the big ball. And that kind of has been his knock as a quarterback. He is an elite talent. He is as good as any quarterback in the NFL when it comes to talent. He has to take the next step in game management. And to go back to the Cam Newton debate where he said game changers versus game managers, Josh Allen is a game changer who has to know how to manage a game. And I think that's what Lamar has done really well this year is he's learned to manage games along with his game-changing talent, and it's what Patrick Mahomes has naturally always had. Ever since he's been a starter, he's always been able to make the play that they need when they need it, no matter what it is. And you're seeing it even this year, in a year where we were supposed to believe that the Chiefs are in a down year. So, I mean, when I watch Josh Allen, I want your honest opinion here, Joe. You feel like when you watch Josh Allen that all he cares about is winning a Super Bowl. Be honest, like be very honest as you watch him play, as you watch his disposition, as you watch, you know, you hear what you hear around him. What are your thoughts? I think that he does not have the confidence in his teammates just yet, because mm. if he did, he wouldn't be afraid to take that check down and give it to a guy where if he just dumps it off, he can believe that he'll make that first down or make that right. play. And then they'll have another opportunity to make that play. He yep. feels like at times he has to always go for the home run because he doesn't yet have that confidence. And I think some of that might be coaching and it'll be interesting to see how the offensive staff shakes out throughout the season. Cause obviously mm -hmm. they fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey during the season. And yep. I think getting the right coaches, 
Yeah, one of my quarterbacks, one of my 20. Uh, getting the right coaches in there and then having a little bit more time together where they can build that trust within mm. that offense so that they can take what the defense gives them and so that then when the big play opportunities are there, he can take those chances. But I think for Patrick Mahomes, not having Tyree Kill may have almost made him a better player in the end because mm. he doesn't always feel like, hey, I can just throw it deep to Tyreek and I can work within the offense to beat these teams and now it's made him more dangerous. Right. So Juju, do you blow do you blow it up in in Buffalo? Because I think you blow it up, bro. I I'll be honest with you. I feel like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Patrick Mahomes has your number. Hands on his hips after the damn game with confetti falling on his head one more damn year. It's gonna it's gonna set me off. So yes, brother, George Pickens, brother, holla. It's a lot of great receivers around the league, man. I think. We got to give 14 his chance to, to, to do what he want to get out of there. That's, that's who you want to get rid of, 14? No, no, no. I'm not saying he if he wants to go. You know what yeah. I mean? You say blow it up. I say yes, rep, blow it up represents letting go of some a piece like that that's costing so much. And dare I say, Sean McDermott, like, Sean McDermott got to go. Wake up, man. Like, it's certain, it's certain decisions you made throughout this run that we had that I was just questioning the entire time. So, I, this I is, definitely agree. Yeah, this is the official podcast of firing coaches, Juju. <laughs> and I think it's time for Sean McDermott to go. I'll be honest yes, with sir. you. I mean, because we talked about Nick Sirianni getting fired. He started this season 10-1 and one, was in a Super Bowl last year. And right. people weren't wrong. He stuck around. I think that was the right move. Um, but it's because he has the, the talent. I would say the same thing with Mike McCarthy, right? It's because you know you have mm-hmm. the talent and you're like – the divisional round is not what the goal is. We, You've gotten to the divisional round multiple years, Buffalo. You can't get past Patrick Mahomes. You got to shake something up to figure it out. And so, yeah, I think they have the players. Um, they're going to start getting more and more expensive. There is no help coming. When you have a quarterback that you're paying all the money to, that means it's going to be on you to make those plays. There's not other big-name guys coming in here to help that are bigger than Stephon Diggs. The cap space don't work like that. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the other matchups that were the divisional round and get a preview into conference championship week. We'll be joined by Bruce Gratkowski, the Tomahawk quarterback connoisseur. All right, we talked about the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, which I think everyone would agree with the big matchups of the divisional round. Uh, The Ravens are also moving on with the Chiefs in the AFC championship. They beat the Texans pretty handedly. C.J. Stroud had a great year, probably one of the better rookie quarterback years we've ever seen. And he went against the Ravens, and he did not look the same, Joe. Uh, what were your What were your takeaways from that game? Well, I think when you're a rookie in the NFL playoffs, you're going to look good at times, but experience always seems to shine through. And that's what happened, right? When you start getting these looks that you haven't seen during the season, people are just trying to take one little defense that they saw work against you in the regular mm-hmm. season from each game, and they're just going to throw it all at you. You're going to get the spam folder overflowing with defenses that you've had a hard time with or defenses that you haven't seen or maybe look like something you already saw, and it's a change at the last minute. And I think that's what happens. All it takes in the playoffs is a split second for that quarterback to hold on to the football or make the wrong decision, and it changes the course of the game. Uh, Lamar went for 152 passing, 100 yards rushing, four touchdowns total, two rushing, two passing. Bruce, what has been the biggest difference in Lamar's game this year? Let's go to grad school mid-conversation. What's been the biggest difference? Oh, man. I mean, you know, what are you going to do against the guy? Are you going to blitz him? They got answers for that. You're going to play him in zone. He's just going to shred you. He'll find an open receiver. So it's been been super impressive what he has done. Uh, and, And just... The thing about Lamar, though, we see the the abilities he has on the field, but I've always loved the intangible side of what he brings as a leader to that team. And I've seen it since day one and the trust Harbaugh has within him years mm-hmm. ago going on fourth downs and they continue to do that and play aggressive. He just, I, I don't know how you defend him when you match up against that football team. And then when I, you know, what was most impressive, though, with the Ravens, is how they played Stroud because I've been impressed with Stroud all season, but to just really hold them to, you know, 10 points was insane in that matchup. So you look at Baltimore as just being a total package, but Lamar Jackson, man, it's just hard for me to go against that guy. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, defensively the Ravens are the toughest defensive ball club left. 
So I'm curious to also see how Mahomes goes against him. When you're going looking at that matchup, Bruce, real quick. And I should I give you a proper introduction. Bruce Grakowski in the building, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He's a friend of the show, basically a part of the Tom of Flock. Uh, he's also an offensive coordinator in the now UFL, formerly the XFL, before the XFL and USFL merger for spring football. You can catch that on ESPN and Fox. little plug there. Bruce is the offensive coordinator for the St. Louis Battlehawks, and he is joining a show with the offensive line coach from the Munich Ravens, Joe Thomas, in Munich right now. And we should put a poll up on social media. Which game do you think I'll get to first? Munich Raven game to support Joe, a St. Louis Battlehawk game to support Bruce, or uh, none of the above? We'll put that on the, <laughs> well, that on the poll. Demons when hell freeze over. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see, uh, we'll see what the fans think that Hawk is going to do. Uh, Chiefs Ravens. Let's get into that matchup. Who wins, Joe? I like the Ravens in this matchup. I think Patrick Mahomes has continually put the team on his back this season, and he's been able to mm-hmm. do that throughout the playoffs. But right now, he's going against probably the best offense and the best defense in the NFL mm. in the playoffs. They're as hot as they've been all season long. And like Bruce said, like with Lamar, there's no good defense against him right now. For a while, they were saying, okay, we're going to drop eight. We're going to drop seven. We're going to put our dime package on the field. So we got a bunch of fast uh-huh. guys with our eyes on him. But it's not working anymore because Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator who came in this season has done a great job. Lamar is extremely coachable. And he understands like, all right, if a team's going to dodge, I can dip. If a team's going to weave, I'm going to throw a wrench at their face and I'm going to run for 100 mm. yards because that's the type <laughs> of quarterback and the type of <laughs> – a player that he is right now. He's so good with his decision-making. He's so fast with his decisions. And then when he gets in the open field, it's it's over because his ability to make tacklers miss in the pocket and an open field is next level. And he's on the same page with his receivers right now, which is something that he always wasn't earlier on in in his career, right? It was always Mark Andrews. It was like, when shit happens, I'm going to find Mark Andrews and boom, we're good. But obviously teams start figuring that out. But now he's got the receiving core and Bro. an offense that's built for success down the field, intermediate. And then he can hit the short stuff or he can take off with the football. He's indefensible right now. He's been playing at a different level. He's going to win another MVP. Um, you can catch a ball, you can catch a wrench. And if you can right, catch baby. a damn ball, you can catch a wrench. Who you got winning, Juju, Chiefs or the Ravens? I got the Ravens, man. That defense just looked too crazy, man. Like Uh-oh. they they down Marlon Humphrey. They down mm-hmm. uh, like pieces and still n- don't miss a beat. And so I think that they instill so much confidence in their offense that that's the late game boost you always need. That's the third quarter come out motivation you always need. And it's gonna be sparked by one or the other side. So I'm gonna I'm go with the Ravens. I'm not mad at that. And that is People don't talk about that enough. The amount of injuries the Ravens have had this year. They always have injuries, but they've had a lot this year, significant injuries, and they have not missed a beat. They lost two running backs. They lost Mark Andrews, Marlon. These are like top-level Pro p- pieces, pro bowlers <laughs> right. in their offense, and they're just next man up. All right, you get the final word, Bruce. Who wins, Chiefs or the Ravens? Uh, Ravens, uh, you know, you got two great head, head coaches going at it, though. So it's going to be such a great showdown. You know, Patrick Mahomes, we talk about it's hard Bruce to go trying against. to get a job, ladies and gentlemen. He, he's, <laughs> he's not going to go too hard to one side. He's going to show yeah. love to the coaches. If, if you're looking for a quarterback coach, I mean, I you would know, I would take the call. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I really think I could help both teams. But anyways, <laughs> we're going to do that. We're going to campaign on the Tomahawk show. We're going to get Bruce Gratkowski an NFL coaching job on this show. We've done it before, Bruce. Mike McDaniel, he's a product of the Tomahawk show. There would be no Mike McDaniel if it wasn't for this podcast, and I stand on that. So don't worry, Bruce. You're next in line. If you're listening, the coaches that listen to this podcast, and I know all of them do, John Harbaugh is sitting right now getting caught up on the Tomahawk show before he heads out to practice. John, don't miss this boat, brother. You want you want to see Lamar take it to the next level? I got somebody in mind for you. I was gonna say, you think Lamar is he's gonna win an MVP this year? They're in the AFC Championship game, but Greg Kowski can <laughs> <laughs> wait till wait till Bruce gets in that motherfucker and see where he can take Lamar. He might he might make an NBA All Star game. That's those are the accolades we're going for. Shit, we never seen before. Who wins the game, Bruce? I'm going Ravens. I'm going that defense okay. man is too tough. But I'll tell you what, have you guys talked about with the ref, Sean Smith, that got put on this game? 
No. So the ref they put on this game, because, you know, they're saying we can't leave out all the Swifties. So they're like, they're doing everything they can to help Kansas City out. And Sean Smith, when he covers... When he's cut, when he covers a game, the home teams are only seventeen and twenty nine in the last three years when this guy refs a game. Oh shit! <laughs> and they're saying they're helping the Swifties out because they need to get Taylor Swift to the Super Bowl. But I I'm thought still you were about to Ravens. say, I thought you were about to say the referee was caught at a Taylor Swift concert, last <laughs> concert with a T-shirt on that said "I love Taylor Swift," and he gonna be refereeing the game. Basically, he I mean, look. Be. It doesn't matter though, because Martin Luther King was at the last Ravens game. He so, sure was. You know, I think I think Martin Luther King understands what Lamar Jackson um winning means to his I, I have a dream speech. So we got we got forces on both sides, is what I'm saying, Bruce. Question for you guys. What is the best story left in the NFL playoffs? We haven't talked the Niners yet. We'll make it we'll make it quick. Niners beat the the Packers. Jordan Love looked good except one play. Um the Lions beat the Bucks. Baker oh. Mayfield had a couple Baker Mayfield moments, but overall he played decent and he played a great year. So shout out to him. That's a great story. Jordan Love was a great story. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, seems like a great story. What is the greatest story in the in the playoffs right now in the NFL? I mean, Bruce. Can we not Bruce, go go past the Packers right quick? That kicker. I mean, it's much love to that brother too, bro. Like Carlson, he uh-huh. had a rough year. And I feel like if he would have made that kick. That momentum, I don't know, dare I say bang, bang, nine the game, but that's neither here nor there, Bruce. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I mean, but, but Hawk, you're right. There was, there was so many cool storylines coming into the playoffs. Like, I was happy for Mayfield, how well he played, but how they finished down the stretch. I was happy for Goff, you know, facing his former team. Um, you know, Brock Purdy, you're talking about mystery relevant. So, so many cool storylines within the playoffs. And then now you get to this game, a game before the Super Bowl, Um I just can't help but overlook the Lions. Like, what they have done. Great story. Dan Campbell. um, I just love what they're doing in Detroit. And to think the Lions, we're talking about the Lions are in the NFC Championship game. That's crazy. You know, so to me, I think that's really cool. And it's going to be a good matchup. Um, but But I think it's cool for not only Dan Campbell, Detroit, and all that, but you think of Jared Goff, what he's been through. Yes, he was the number one overall pick, but he he got pushed out the door for peanuts, you know. And yep. and now look what he's doing, and he's back in a, a championship game, which is pretty cool to see. That is a really dope story, Joe. What's your favorite story? I'd love the Lions, man. Lions fans Lions. and Browns fans. Lions votes. We're, we're like just two lovable cousins. brothers we're cousins yeah. we're like me and hawk on ibiza right, right now like we're having a great time we're cheering for each other life is golden life is grand even though the browns got eliminated because we're close to your geographically like both from the rust belt but the idea that dan campbell this like gruff scruff biting kneecaps head coach who's got like this lovable side to him mm-hmm. he is so easy to cheer for because he's he can he appease like the old school tough mentality of the nfl but he's got this new approach that he's got empathy and he shows his emotions and he loves yep. his players and he demands a lot out of them like he's exactly the type of coach that the nfl needs right now and that an mm-hmm. nfl team would love to have and it's the same thing that people talked about why belichick was not able to win once Brady left, right? Because he hasn't yep. been able to kind of transition a side of him into being that empathetic force, Player. that yep. person that you can cheer for, that it loves his players, that's hard on him, but he'll put his arm around you. And I think with him and Goff, they've got an entire staff, an entire team, an entire city that everybody really wants to see have a lot of success and win that Super Bowl and bring this franchise that's never been to a Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl, to the highest peak. And you yeah. got two teams in the AFC that I think everybody wants them both to lose. And then you got two <laughs> NFC teams, in my opinion, especially with our love for Kyle Shanahan drink, that yeah. you're like, yeah. hey, man, this is awesome to be able to watch these guys. Hopefully, uh, you know, they both get to play in the Super Bowl. And, you know, uh, some weird Roger Goodell rules allows it just to be an <laughs> NFC versus NFC Super We're Bowl. We're just going to move them both to the Super Bowl, guys. More exciting anyways, and we'll let Taylor Swift dump Travis Kelsey and start dating Brock Purdy, <laughs> and then everyone will be really happy. Everyone will be so excited about it. I will say my son, the biggest Browns fan I know, and that is a fact, he does not want the Lions to win. He doesn't want them to come up before the Browns come up. Mm, and he is he is adamant about that. Like of all the teams left, 
that's the team he least wants to win is the Detroit Lions for that reason. He doesn't want them to have the storyline that the Browns deserve. He said he wants that storyline. So, Juju, what is your favorite story left in the NFL playoffs? Look, it, it, I cannot overlook Jared Goff and what that. It's Dang, Lions again. Three Lions votes. No, 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 no. It's oh, okay. underestimated the mental health that's required to go through that, bro. They said you weren't good enough, so go to Detroit. Like some brothers never make it out of that hole, bro. He could his performance could have taken a dip. He could have mm-hmm. given up on himself, just been a just a less positive person all around. And he persevered through that. Of course, kneecap Dan Campbell, come on, man. But my the best story to me is, brother, the Atlanta Falcons sent out a tweet. They tweeted with this with their own damn face. That's the best story. Championship weekend is the Atlanta Falcons. In, yeah, exactly. We are we are not interested in pursuing Lamar Jackson. We heard the, mm. we heard all these teams say we are not interested in pursuing Lamar Jackson. We saw we heard true. he don't deserve the money. He don't deserve the check he getting. We've never seen we've rarely seen a guy get the money and win. Yeah. A guy gets the money and gets an injury or, or takes a dip or doesn't come up. Lamar has a chance to and he's the hood hero on top of this. No matter <laughs> what team you root for, if you are from the hood in the United States of America, you the Ravens are your third that's or fourth team because you always mess with Lamar. The whole that is hood a fact. Lamar. That's the story. OBJ redemption. Come on, we the Harpers. Can they actually go from brother to brother with a national championship and score the win? Who has it who, now? Who has it better than them? No damn body. Man, we got to put music all behind that because that is. I'm with you, Juju. You flipped me. I was going to say the Lions. And you're right. My favorite story is Lamar Jackson. Here and here's why. And this is what we'll end on because I think we're way past our time in this in this block. But the Harbaugh's incredible story, um, OBJ redemption. Could you imagine if OBJ wins another Super Bowl <laughs> after like all the conversation around OBJ? That's crazy. But Lamar Jackson specifically, I, Lamar Jackson is my favorite player in the NFL. He might be my favorite player ever. Um, I've been around Lamar Jackson. I don't think there is a more humble superstar. Joe is the humblest. He was always the humblest in my book. And then I met Lamar and I'm like, well, I didn't know it can get more humble (laughs) than Joe Hayden Thomas. But Lamar Jackson is that if you look at every interview he's ever done, he says the right things. When they lose, he takes all the blame. When he wins, he give all of his players and his coaches the, the, the praise to your point, Juju. It is typical. And that was the reason why they held off paying him. They, oh, we don't know if he's a long-term answer. We don't know if once he gets paid, he's going to flip the script. And all he's done is get paid and gotten better. And even beyond that, and here's my favorite part. Yes, they tried to move him to receiver. Yes, they tried to move him to running back. Yes, everyone's like, oh, he can't be a passer. He can't go deep in the playoffs. He can't win a Super Bowl. More than that, every media outlet, and I was on ESPN five years ago before he even came out. He needs an agent. He can't do this without an agent. He's not smart enough. There's too many nuances to this business that he can't handle. And it was for six years. That was the problem. He didn't have an agent. That's why he's not combating some of these things. That's why he can't get a contract. That's why they won't want to do business with him. He doesn't communicate. Lamar Jackson, and since Lamar Jackson has signed his contract, Justin Herbert has signed a contract. Um, Joe Burrow has signed a contract. Patrick Mahomes has signed a contract. And do you know none of those contracts are as big as Lamar Jackson? And ever since he signed his deal, nobody says anything about him wanting an agent, but nobody goes back and says, oh, he to this day, him and his his mom, who was his manager, have negotiated the best contract in NFL history to this day. To this day. And no one has gone back and said, does that make him the best agent in NFL history? If he has still negotiated the best contract on a per money year basis? That is an incredible story. And you're right. With Lamar wins, my, my son hates the fact that I root for Lamar because he is a Browns fan. That is a fact. He loves Lamar too, but he's like, yo, dad, you're, you're a little too excited to see him do well. Uh, but it is my favorite story left in the playoffs. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk NFC, and we'll get into some pretty uh, spicy headlines from some former teammates and coaches of a few of us on this pod. We won't make Bruce get in it, but we'll explain later. <laughs> All right, welcome back to this uh, conference championship edition of the Tomahawk Show. We talked AFC extensively, 
we're going to talk really quickly about the NFC because I think everyone feels like the AFC is going to come out on top, but maybe I'm wrong. We have the 49ers, bang, bang, Niner gang, who look just okay, taking on the Detroit Lions. Joe, who do you have winning that game? And don't pick with your heart. Pick with your brain. I think the Detroit Lions are going to win. Did you notice that pause? Because I don't even believe it when I say it. But my point is this, is that Detroit has always impressed me from the beginning of the season with their ability to get into big, heavy formations and mm-hmm. just pound the rock. And then all of a sudden, they've got really good weapons on the outside to be able to go deep, right? Which is kind of exactly what San Francisco wants to be, but they're a bit more like conventional outside mm-hmm. zone. But I think the attitude that Detroit brings and that ability to be able to be whoever they have to be to win a game on offense mm-hmm. is what will take them over the top. And as much as I love Brock Purdy, and I think he's done a tremendous job and exceeded anybody's wildest expectations, I think experience always shines through. And I really like Jared Goff as the difference maker between these two very similar squads. Mm, so we got a Lions pick. Bruce, I'm going to go to you next, man. Who you got, the Detroit Lions or the San Francisco 49ers? You know, this is a hard pick because initially I go, how do you go against Kyle? Because <laughs> initially I go, man, I could really help these two teams <laughs> if they hired me. <laughs> Another team, two teams we're talking about in the championship game that, you know, I think Greg Kowski can elevate them just a <laughs> little bit more. <laughs> but look, you know, you talk about Kyle Shanahan, Hawk, like, and you played for him, just the mastermind he is offensively. Um, so that's what makes it hard to go against the Niners. But on the other side, man, like Ben Johnson does a great job. It was a few years ago. I'm watching that offense. Like, dude, I love the, what the Lions are doing. And he continues to do that. And he'll have a little spice to the offense every week with some different formations or using big guys and shift in motion, all that. But I'll tell you what, last week, Brock Purdy should have thrown a pick six and they dropped it. Like, mm-hmm. so what quarterback's going to play better that's who's going to win. If you keep Jared Goff clean, he can oh, he can do it all. Uh, you know, and the same with Brock Purdy. So that that to me is going to be the difference maker. And it's just, I oh, mean, it, it, it's hard to pick this one. I'm going to have to say the Niners squeak it out. But, mm. you know, I, I would love to see the, the Lions as well. So <laughs> depends on what team I can help after the season ends. <laughs> yeah, real quick question, Hawk. This is sorry to take a little financial detour, but I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how much is Bruce paying the Tomahawk show for this paid <laughs> embedded ad for the Bruce Gregkowski coaching resume? Because yeah. whatever it is, he's not paying enough. He's not paying. Well, here's the here's the long game that we gotta play, Joe. See, we placed Mike McDaniel as the kind of go-to for the future-facing NFL coaches. We put him in a place, right? We have yet to get an exclusive interview from the Tomahawk Show from Mike McDaniel. With Bruce, that contract's already worked out. We put him in position. (laughs) He becomes a head coach. We become the official podcast of that team, and we get all the breaking news because that's already in contract. So it's us working smarter, not harder. Um, (laughs) Juju, who you got winning, the Niners or the Lions? You already know what's going on. You see what I'm representing, man. With the okay. As well. You know what I mean? I got this on so you know. Hey, B Rabbit. Bang, bang, Niner game, baby. Oh, like the Niners the curve. Blow the boys out. <laughs> <laughs> they really might. I'm with you. I'm going with the Niners, man. Because Jared Goff, you said they got to stay clean, which you're right. But they got to go against Bosa. They got to go against Warner. They got to go against Young. And that's going to be the best pass rush that, that, that they've ever seen. So they've done a good job of handling pressure. And Ben Johnson has as well. But I just think they're going to be at a different level this week, and I'm hoping that they burn the 49ers out so that in the Super Bowl, you know, the, the, the 49ers emptied their, emptied their tank and we see everything they're working with. Dan Campbell is one of the better stories left. And I think Dan Campbell, for me, and this is where we'll give Bruce some coaching in his coaching quest, Dan Campbell is a mix of the old school and new school like Joe talked about, but he's like a coach we've never seen. And I think that's what people really, really – think is dope about him um I would say along that line Mike McDaniel is like a coach we've never seen and Antonio Pierce who has been named the head coach of the the Las Vegas Raiders is also like a coach that we've never seen and I think what we're going to start seeing here in the next you know decade or so we're going to start seeing that a lot because we're the adults now our generation which is weird to think are the adults um and like Antonio Pierce as he's walking to his press conference with both his earrings in I played in places where I wasn't allowed to wear earrings in the building. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, we're like, we would get in trouble if we came into the facility with earrings in. And now the head coach of the Raiders, because our generation are the adults, is wearing earrings. I think that's dope. Mike McDaniels, Mike McDaniel wears Jordans on the sideline because that's what our generation does. So I don't know. It's a cool thing to see. And Dan Campbell cares about players, which is what our generation does. And, and the old school didn't. So, Bruce, you can't be like the old school. Don't don't go old school. Find your new school thing. Stick with it. And that is going to be the reason why you get this get a, get a head coaching job one day. Well, you know, that was my my favorite gear with the Battle Hawks with my uh, Jordan 1s. You know, Roman's That's a big enough. fan of the. I need the, more. The That's Roman. already done. You need somebody already has the shoes. You got to find your thing, bro. We got to help you find it. All Juju, right. what is Bruce's thing? What can Bruce's thing be? His calling card. You know, Dan Campbell's is crazy shit. He says biting off kneecaps and all kind of stuff. And they got the earrings with Pierce. We got the shoes oh. with McDaniel and watches. What's Bruce's thing? Gotta get my boy a fur. You feel me? The team fur. You got that color fur on the sideline like this here. Just call oh. up plays. Talking to the I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. Joe, what is Bruce's thing, man? We got a fur. What is your vote for, for Bruce's thing to get a head coaching job? You ever seen those old trapper commercials for beef jerky and stuff where the guy's wearing like the coonskin hat with like the, the fur coming up on the side? That would be amazing because I really love what Juju was saying about the fur and the fur fur jack would be cool. But that's been done before, right? Like Joe Namath was the original. And we've old seen school. a bunch of guys doing that since then. And we love it every time, of course. But I think Bruce on the sideline with a little coonskin cap, something like that would be mm. absolutely amazing. You could pair it with like a nice, sharp Italian black suit with like pinstripes <laughs> would be amazing so he really reaches deep into his cultural uh history <laughs> and pulls it out on the sideline so he can connect with all sorts of different players i like that i got something more simple because i know bruce and i i've been i was bruce's roommate you know it's like you got to find the thing that is good for him that is different it's got to be cut off sleeves like <laughs> bruce had to cut off i mean uh bill belichick had to cut off hoodie bruce loves cut off sleeves because he thinks he has guns and like, you know, our generation, when we came up, it was like you cut the sleeves off. Well, Bruce stayed in that. But if a coach is doing that on the sideline and he's just wearing a pair of just a cutoff T-shirt, everyone's going to be talking about that thing. Mm, Bruce, you got to lean into that. that. Now, now, how how cut is it? Is it the shoulder or am I showing some trap with it as well? You, you, I know you like the trap. Like, that's the thing. Gotta, it's just gotta, get a little get a trap in there. Tight. Right. Yeah. So a, a cut off polo with that shoulder trap so you still Bro. got the polo Ooh. collar on and you still Ooh. got your hat on yes so dare i say hire my boy bruce would really <laughs> wear that though so that's the thing bruce would genuinely cut his polo sleeves off and wear it on the sidelines and it would hawk, be his calling card hawk at first I, at first i thought you were going to say i'd wear my one of my former jerseys on the sideline. <laughs> you could also do that, <laughs> that or i'd have them make or, or I have them make me a jersey that said coach on the back. <laughs> so <laughs> All right, we're going to put that on the poll, too. We got four options. We got the coonskin hat from Joe. We got a fur <laughs> from Juju. I'm saying cut off sleeves, and you're saying a, a coach Brad Gratkowski jersey. You want to wear a jersey. <laughs> On the sideline. We're going to put that in the chat and see where we net out of that. All right, so we did all of our picks for the NFC Championship game. Um, when we come back, we're going to get into my favorite story of the last two weeks. Yes, and we don't stop. All right, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. Before we get out of here, there was a story going around. Joe was out hunting in Spain. Bruce was God knows where. But I did want to get their perspective. If you didn't know, Robert Griffin III, and Jay Gruden had a beef on social media that went pretty much everywhere. I'm going to try to give you the synopsis, Joe, because I, I don't think you're aware of this at all. So you're going to be hearing about this for the first time in real time. I can't wait to get your reaction. So essentially, Jay Gruden put on uh, social media when he was watching, I think, what team was it, Juju? Was it the Lions? Eagles. No, the Eagles. Yeah. Eagles. Eagles. Jay Gruden comes out and tweets, oh, man, if I've ever put my quarterback in a situation with no help like this, forgive me. Um, he just tweeted that out. And not being able to know how to pick up a blitz. I'm sorry. And not being able to know how to pick up a blitz. RG3 responds to the tweet, um, I think with a face. With and a he's picture like, of him like. 
Yeah, he's a picture of himself, and he says, say what? Insinuating, like, you put me in that situation. Jay Gruden then responded, I think, with, uh, you weren't prepared, Robert? Question mark. And then RG3 responds and says, you told me you didn't know how to game plan for a mobile quarterback who can both throw and pass. So it was you who's unprepared. Jay Gruden comes in back and says, you really want to play this game? RG3 responds and says, I'm not playing any games. I'm retired. You have a free invite to come on the show and discuss face-to-face. I know where all your bodies are buried, Jay. Don't play with me. Jay Gruden comes back and says, go race a pigeon. (laughs) Because there was a video (laughs) of RG3 racing a hawk in the Seahawks game. (laughs) He says, "Go, go race a pigeon. Um, and then there's another tweet that Jay Gruden ended up deleting that said, you weren't good enough. Kirk was better. Cleveland didn't want you. Baltimore didn't either. Quit blaming me. Uh, and then it set social media ablaze, Joe. We had players from the, the, the Washington franchise coming out and everyone had a perspective. Joe, this is your first time hearing it. I want to hear from you, brother. What are your thoughts? We got like two minutes. My first thought is, I love being teammates with RG3 because we got stuff like this every single day. (laughs) I have so many memories from the one year when he was my quarterback that were so lovely, and he's a great friend. I love the guy, but I am so glad that I did never have to coach that guy because (laughs) he will get your ass fired and killed, and I love the fact that he is savvy enough or naive enough that he's just going to start throwing bombs at other coaches and then he gets him with a little hook and pulls him onto the show. Hey, if you want to come on my show, <laughs> we can talk a little bit more about it after he's already ignited social media on fire. And that's what I love about the guy. He just has no shame whatsoever. And the fact that he couldn't see that maybe Jay Gruden had said some things in confidence to try to boost his confidence in himself in those moments when he was coaching him and maybe weren't exactly the truth with everything. And then he's <laughs> going to try to use those as bombs to throw back. Now that they're not working together is just typical RG three. It, it went deep and it, it went deep. They even got into a situation where I think RG three went out and criticized play, or he said something like, I need help. I can't, no quarterback could do this by themselves. And then Jay Gruden, like threw him under the bus in a press conference. And then RG three was like, you're the one who told me to say that. And, there was a heated exchange at a team meeting that players remembered. It, it's funny because I also played for Jay. He was my OC, my O coordinator, as he was Bruce's as well. And you talk about the worst clash of personalities ever, you know? And, and again, I, I think that RG3 has a very specific, like, perspective on anything he remembers a certain way. <laughs> and that is that is who he is. Jay Gruden is also that way. Jay Gruden has an offense that would be like, you know, it was like enough detail that if it worked, it was great coaching. But if it was bad, it was it was definitely Andy Dalton's fault all the time. And I love Jay, but Jay was like a player. And, you know, so him going back and forth with RG3 is so on brand for both of them. It is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Bruce, you played for Jay. What is your what is your what is your perspective? Well, Jay, Jay was cool as hell to play with. He'd come out to walk through hockey. You remember, he'd have like one shoe fully on and the other shoe. <laughs> he was like a slob. <laughs> he'd be standing on the heel of the shoe <laughs> with his foot not in. He'd pull out his phone, like checking a text message, giving Andy Dalton the play. Like, yeah, yeah, trip's right. Um, <laughs> exactly. But but it, but it was good because players can be themselves and right. get the most like it wasn't like playing on eggshells and i remember him dialing up a play fourth quarter seconds left in the game calls everyone over hey let's go uh trips right um three jet all go special z dagger just to get aj green the ball and you know it was it was a perfect play at work but he he's a player coach you know and right and i'm not i'm not a big fan of rg3 i mean stop making excuses i RG3, that's my guy. We we had a joke on the show about blame. And we're blowing through our time, so we're going to have to cut somewhere else in the episode, but I think this is more important <laughs> than, the, than the conference championship. But RG3, we had a joke on the show where we blame RG3 for everything. Um, <laughs> and RG3, he leaned in heavy because he also feels like everyone blames him for everything. But the ir- irony is, is that RG3 will blame a motherfucker so quick. <laughs> and and it's, it's history is not being kind to RG3 because he was a great player. Um, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He came and he won Rookie of the Year. He had an incredible coaching staff. 
that year. But his sentiment was always like they weren't prepared for him. And it's as the years go on, more and more people from that staff become the best head coaches in the league. And it's up to like seven. There's like eight people from that staff that are head coaches. And he it's a it's a he's battling a narrative. So I'm glad he now was like, a, all right, fuck that coaching staff. I'm gonna take it to the Grudens now. Now I'm gonna get at Jay because he's not getting the job. So that's smart by RG3. So shout out, shout out to him for that, Juju. What you think? Bruh. You ever like had a fire tweet that you knew was fire, and right right before you sent it, you just sitting and set your phone down and walked away because you knew the Dennis Rodman shit was gonna hit. That's how Jay grew and said, "I'll race a pigeon." That is Jay too, man. That is such his personality. Last story I have about Jay: uh, when I left the Bengals, and Jay was my OC at the Bengals for three years. Jay also, I think, came from the UFL. So Bruce, you're coaching the UFL. Jay came from the UFL and became an OC. So that's hope there. Um, but when I left the Bengals, Jay was always like, you know, when I, whenever we would play bad or I, like I wasn't, you know, whatever, it would be like, oh, my receiver's too small. He would like always indirectly say that shit in the media. And it always pissed me off <laughs> because I'm like, the, my touchdowns and plays would be like a shuffle pass and I would take it for like 80 yards or be 30 to 19. They would throw me a screen. I'd run through eight defenders for a first down. But the moment that a play doesn't work to me, it was, uh, we need bigger wideouts in the slot. So I'm like, okay, Jay, you know what I'm saying? But that's, that's how Jay is. So when I got to Cleveland and you know, they paid me and I had Shanahan and first off again, Shanahan is literally the best coach ever. And I think everyone sees that now I was in the media like, yo, it's great to have an offensive coordinator who makes the job easy. It's all oh, this play calling, bro. This is I've never been a part of anything like this. And so I'm saying that. And then we play uh, the Redskins in the preseason. And Jake like literally walks across the field to me. He's like, what's up, Hawk? I'm like, coach, what's up, man? How you doing, man? He's like, ain't nothing. When are you going to stop talking shit on me in the media? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I bust out laughing. He's like, yeah, hey, you're over here just, you know, gobbling down Shanahan. All right. Good luck, man. Good to see you. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Joe, that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. Any closing thoughts, buddy? No, nah, man, it's great to be back. Uh, hopefully there's more, no more disruptions from Deutschland now that we're recording in the middle of your morning. And yes. uh, a lot of good stuff coming up here with the championship game and uh, more good love between the four of us. And hopefully right. that comes back. We'll get Nat back one day. Even though shit's like 2 in the morning where she's at. Thank you, Tom Flock. Again, make sure you check out the show wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. DraftKings Network and Metal Arc Media. Until next time, Joe, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.